are back. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to Match Point Number 9, a Tennis Bets podcast. I'm one of two co-hosts here, David E.J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on X and all the socials. You can find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts these days. Please do subscribe. If you're a first-time listener, chance starts how you found us. If you're a returning listener, a returning champion, welcome back. I'm based in California, and I'm tossing it to my main man in Canada, Mr. John Reed. You can find him at Jared Tweets Tennis. He does betting content for his own brand, Tidbits Tennis. He writes for the Action Network, betting expert. He does post-match analysis for the Tennis Forum ticker. John, they put you to work early today as on a Monday. Well, uh, sometimes you're you're working on a Monday, but the Delray final pushed today. So you already have uh, some Tennis Forum ticker stuff uh, under your belt today. What did you think of that final? And Delray. That one, um, look, good for Tommy Paul, fighting back a bit in the second set. And it doesn't look like it on the score, on the score line. But he did. He was he was able to apply more pressure in the second, made a few a few adjustments. But the fact is, this is why he's a top 10 to top 15, like 11 to 15 guy. The the raw game isn't there. Does he have a weakness? Not really. He's solid off both wings. He can dictate with his forehand, but he lacks that finish, that real finishing power. And his first serve will win him points at a high rate. And he will beat guys that he's that are ranked way lower and less talented. He'll beat them badly. But when he can't finish points, he's in so much trouble against guys with rally tolerance. And Taylor Fritz, by the way, this week, this is the level that makes people like me wonder, like, I'm so tired of believing in this kid. Because it's not just that it was a weak field. I'm sorry. The way he played against Marcos Giron, who has, by the way, learned to be more aggressive, who's talked about wanting to play more power. Multiple times in his on-court interviews, he's talked about, you know, being tired of playing defense and adding more offense to his game. We've seen it the last couple of weeks, right? He's he's upping his, his ranking on that GOAT list, uh, as we've been joking about in one of our Yeah, chats, well, but... Giron and Coria, the two greatest players of all time, um, <laughs> off of their historic runs last week, yes. <laughs> anyway. Yes. It's, it's, it's just one of those things where, I think Taylor looked really good, man. The defense out of that backhand corner. We know his backhand is good. We know he can flatten it out. He can hit through it. But watching him get into that corner, get down, scoop those backhands out with depth so the next ball isn't as attackable, that is what really impressed me throughout the week. And yeah, Tommy came to in a bit more in the, in the, the second set so he could take those backhands at the net and, and put away easy volleys, find a way to beat those defenses a bit more. But he just doesn't have that natural power. So Fritz... It looked from the beginning like Fritz would win, and he does end up taking it in straight sets. He just had a great week. Um, and I, I now I'm – you know how players say on court, oh, winning a title always makes you feel more confident moving forward? It's true. It makes me, it makes me feel more confident he's a contender for Indian Wells again, right? I believe that iteration of Taylor Fritz could do what he did a few years ago. Yeah, it just depends on the draw, but I, I'm in agreement with you. I, I felt like Tommy, uh, on top of everything you just said, he really uh, did not step up uh, the big points in that match, either up 1540 on return to break back. He virtually won that point and then just sailed it. He did that a couple times. He did all but win the point and committed a ghastly error, which was classic Tommy. So, ugh, Tommy, man. Yeah, I had the money line. Plus <laughs> All right, John. Well, that capped off a three-site week. We're coming into another three-site week, but let's recap what we talked about last time out on those three sites, uh, including Delray. In our segment, what did we win? What did we learn? 
wins in Rotterdam. We passed Butlin, Dimitrov in straight sets versus Fucevic, uh, which played out. Shevchenko to win a set versus Smogaruna at minus 115. He won the whole match, John. Uh, Telling Griekspor, Moneyline plus 200 and over 23.5 versus Hubie Hercash. Hey, Cash, both those. And Buenos Aires, the Golden Swing. Kalitos Alcraz, we laid 5.5 versus Uko Karabehi. And he tried his best to choke that. I almost uh, quit watching tennis forever <laughs> if he, he would have choked that. Uh, but he thankfully didn't. He cashed it for us. Thank you, Kalitos. Uh, Sebastian Baez money line at minus 165 versus Luciano Jaderi. Cash that. And Jaderi's hot run. And Delray. We played Flavio Caboli money line versus Svida at minus 130. Took three sets. Got a little sweaty. But we got there. Uh, losses. Uh, and Delray, Alex Mickelson, money line. We talked about it over plus 200 versus Tommy Paul, who made it to the final. He was there, man. Up a break in the third. Just let the kid win, Tommy. Come on. Uh, uh, thankfully, had the S1 money line off pod. I wish I would have tipped that on the pod, as I am a set one truther. Uh, anything Radu Albot versus Tiafo? Nope. Lost those. Tiafo showed up for once in his life. Uh, over in Buenos Aires, Laszlo Gira mentioned it felt like a trap. Walked right into it. Bavasori, straight sets. No problem. No sweat. Unbelievable. Bavasori, good fight in set one versus Carlitos next time out also. Um, didn't play this, uh, but as we mentioned, uh, Federico Correa became the greatest player of all time last week. Uh, beating Kinori, <laughs> um, even though he said he would not. Uh, in Rotterdam, Rusevori was too good for Jan Leonard Struff. Struff, I mean, I never back this guy, but when I do, he assuredly fails us. <laughs> oh, man. All right, John, well, that was last week, and I'm going to stick to my my takeaway, anytime I mention trap, I, I've talked about this in the in the past in the pod. Anytime I organically mention trap on this podcast, I'm playing the other side. Auto rule for me from now on. It was a rule for me. I didn't stick to it with Vavasori. But I feel like whatever chemistry we have talking this out, when that comes up and I mention trap, I either walk right in it uh, or blissfully avoid it. But uh, I don't know. Um, that's that's my new rule. That's my takeaway. If it feels like a trap, heed that advice um, from this pod. Uh, all right, John. This week, three sites once again. Let's start with the Qatar Open, ATP Doha. Outdoor hardcore event held around this time of year since 1993. These courts play quicker, can play quicker, but it's technically medium fast conditions. I've seen tweets in the past say center court plays a little slower than the outer courts. Uh, Iga dominated on the WTA side. Doha, Doha is is for sure slower than Dubai, which plays medium to medium fast. Um, this one I I would handicap as medium slow uh, to medium, leaning closer to medium slow. There you go. 
Uh, medium slow conditions here. Last year, Daniil Medvedev beat Andy Murray 6464. 2022 RBA beat Nico Basilashvili 6-3-6-4 for his second title. Uh, he lost to Martin Fucevic already today, though. Agut, sorry, you're out. You're not going to win again. Other recent winners include uh, Basilis Vili, uh, when he beat RBA in 2021. Rublev in 2020 beat Mutet, who we might be talking about later on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monfils won in 2018. Joker won the two before that. So it seems like guys who have success here are able to bring it year after year. Weather-wise, sunny or partly cloudy all week uh, in the high 70s, low 80s. But it's known for its winds. And they look like they might tick up to 20 miles per hour early this week. So do heed the wins here, uh, especially for guys with big servers, could come into play. Uh, big headline so far. This is, uh, we could toss this into what did we learn segment. Scared money don't make money, John. Passed on Pavel Kotov. Pavel Kotov and Zhang, who both picked up straight set dog wins versus Sonogo and, <clears throat> and Lorenzo Musetti. I have no idea why I didn't play those. I looked at them, and I just passed. Popper and avoided disaster, coming back from a breakdown against Shellby to win. Mentioned the Fucevic uh, win over RBA. I think you have some thoughts on that one. Yeah, I think this one was one of my favorite bets. Um Almost of the season, I wrote it up for betting expert. Had it a two and one unit play, but you know me, uh, I look to when I think there's a lot of value, I look to sell off, and I'm not going to try and cram four or five different picks into one article. Plus, I mean, I'm providing value and good insight for you. Just be happy with that when I read release the article. But I also had uh, minus two and a half, minus three games, and the two nothing uh, score line. And this is one of my one of the places I think that if you put in enough work you can find significant edges on the market. I don't mean like 20% edges. That's not going to happen. But I mean relatively significant. This actually ended up closing at $1.81. Now, this this particular match moved more than most, okay? It opened around a pick, got down as low as, what, minus 200. I got it last night at minus 150. I was happy with that. Uh, I thought, I didn't think it would come back. When I woke up and I checked out the odds portal tabs to make sure nothing had moved too much, I didn't want to reback it or go back for even more. Um, you know, make that position larger. Last I saw, it was like minus 130 on the minus two games. So I'm like, okay, I've got my my CLV. It ends up closing at ridiculous numbers. It closed plus 117. You know, your your three went off the board and your two and a half was basically the same price as three. So why? So it's not just about understanding why the market is wrong. It's about understanding the mindset that betters may be taking. And I honestly, the ELOs were near dead even. Perhaps that was it. And this, once again, comes down to being able to apply or contextualize, apply context to the statistical stuff. Because it's not going to tell you that Bautista Agut has been absolutely terrible since returning from the injury caused by falling off his horse or getting something to do with working at stables that, that hurt him. He's well into his 30s. He is declining. His offensive output is near zero. He's not on quick courts, which he preferred anyway. Even when he was playing well, he preferred quick courts. So, you know, matchup-wise, he's playing a wall from the baseline who's super fit and can play long matches. So where on earth does he win points without Fuchsvik's errors? But then 
you know, it's huge fix. You're not getting a ton of errors. I don't see the logic in the handicap here anywhere. So I, I you know, you, you sit back and you tell yourself or you ask yourself, why then did people bet this? Because they did. They moved it from um, a pick when it went from a pick down to Fuchsvix is significant favorite. There was some pushback. And then Fuchsvix got bet again. And then there was more significant pushback. So there were people who can move markets that did. And it comes down to a couple things. One, blind faith in ELO ratings or statistical data kind of generating bad numbers in their models. And two, you'll get the very simplistic, shallow thought processes that, well, Bautista Agutz won it twice before. And he beat Fuchsvix here last year, man. Okay. He barely beat Fuchsvix here last year. Start there. Again, context matters. Two, is he, he, did he lose in the second round last year? He's won it twice before, right? Yeah. The last couple of years, as he's, as he's looked a little more vulnerable, he has not looked very good in Doha. So let's take away those two titles. We can't take them away from him, but let's, let's put them to the side. Because if that's your logic, you really should stop betting. Improve your handicap process and come back. Trust me, it'll save you money because you're not winning long-term with that kind of stupid take, all right? And then the other part, again, is last year. Is he anywhere near the player he was this time last season? If, if your answer is yes, again, step away. Stop losing money. Stop squandering it. Go, go waste it on something that, you know, can bring you joy. If your answer is no, then what the hell does last year's result matter? Okay, that's my read rant for the day. But that match in particular was a great look into why you can still find edges, at least from a qualitative perspective within the tennis betting markets. If, if you want to, li- I don't give a damn if people want to listen or not. I'm here to make money. I'm making money. And if you want to join me, come on in, listen. We'll have some fun while we do it. If not, you can go follow the 25,000 guys on uh, tw- follow guys on Twitter that can't explain their way out of a paper bag with regards to the sport and rant. <laughs> He's won this two times, man. <laughs> Lock. <laughs> Lock. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I will say, though, and... Uh... And those people's defense, I, I, is another one I, I passed on because one, I just think Fuchovic is not very good right now either. Um, well, that was the other thing. He's one in three. What are his losses? Are they Arnaldi, Dimitrov, Dimitrov? Yes. Dimitrov in four sets, including one of the three he lost a tiebreak in Australia. Another one, other seven five in Rodderd. Like I mean. I don't know, man. I, I don't think he's had that. I don't think he's been that bad to start the year. His, it, that's just a record, looking at his record kind of deal. He won his Davis Cup match. Like, he lost a third set tiebreak to one of the better young players in the sport and Arnaldi. I don't, I, I, I don't think that's true either. I think he's been fine. All right. Fair. Fair. But for the purposes of his next match, he's been terrible. No one listened to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we talked about the next match. Uh, let's let's look at this draw as uh, a whole here and and our segment where we like to talk money line rollovers uh, instead of outrights. Uh, John, I have a player, an Aussie, who made the quarterfinal who made the quarterfinal here last year, where he took the champ Daniil Medvedev to three. Uh, he was ousted by Agut in the opening round, uh, the, one of the years that RBA won uh, the year before that, uh, and that is Chris O'Connell. He is taking on Struve. Anyone that knows this podcast knows I'm a, a Struve fader. Uh, he is plus 
135 here as the dog in this matchup. They've played uh, two times in the past. They've split their head-to-head. Uh, and, yeah, I think uh, with the wins potentially you know, coming into play with Stroop's biggest weapon, his serve, uh, I think O'Connell uh, from the baseline is certainly his superior. Uh, conditions, I think, also. Uh, well, I don't know. Stroop is not bad in solar conditions. I, that actually might lean Struve now that I think about it. But I kind of like O'Connell in this spot. If he gets through, uh, he would take on uh, Rusevori and I assume be a sizable favorite. And uh, I will gladly take on Rusevori as a sizable favorite uh, in the next round. Uh, and eventually we get Hachanov, who's been, you know, kind of up and down. Uh, definitely playing a little bit more passive on return and certainly uh, beatable. So what do you think about this potential rollover spot for Mr. O'Connell, John? Yeah, I'm not. I just, he retired in his last match. Now that was the challenger level. So who knows how serious it was in Manama and Bahrain. So that's my concern down. Uh, he lost the first set. Who was it to? I can't remember. It's a decent player. It wasn't a terrible player. He lost to in a tie break in his first set of the tournament and then dipped. So that to me is the only concern I would get, I guess. I also don't like betting Struth matches anymore. I backed it when I fade him. He's a serve God. When I fit, when I back him, he, I believe the last two times I backed him were last week against Rusuvori and a couple months ago against Hubert Harkatch. And I, I think he may have had like, he, I think he held maybe 50% of his service games combined without going, without facing a break point or going to deuce. You know what I mean? I'm not saying a 50% hold rate, but I'm saying without being pressured, like maybe half his games just crumbles. So I, I don't know what's going on with Jan Leonard's true. Very hot and cold. I guess if you're, if you're back, if you're backing O'Connell as a dog, which you are here, that that's what I would say is the, is the positive because I wouldn't want to be fading Struve with, with a, a favorite. It was Billy Harris last, uh, last week in Manama. So I don't know, maybe not that quality of a player after all, but I, he hasn't played much since Australia. Didn't look great against Harris, uh, especially on return. And then, of course, uh, that retirement is in the back of my mind. So I, I don't know if I have enough here to go with uh, with Chris O'Connell, even in the first round, let alone as a rollover. I'm taking a shot with the Aussie here. John, do you have uh, a rollover candidate you want to talk about? I have a, I have a couple of guys here um, that I'm interested in. And the next one on my list, I think, is a guy you might like too, though. Mine was Zhang, pardon me, mine was Zhang Zhizhen. Uh, I had a half unit I had him to beat Musetti because only because when he was, I think, plus 130 at both Pinnacle and Bet Online last night, I told myself, I'm going to hate myself. I'm not trying to stoke any fires here for you. No, like, I swear to God. <laughs> but I'm going to hate myself if, if I don't bet him and he wins, <laughs> which is kind of where you found yourself at the top of the show, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I liked him. There, I like him against Mofiser and Zanskulp. I don't mind him against Umber in a kind of flashy, aggressive, high error, like high risk, high reward match for both guys. And then again, even in the semis, if it's not Rublev, I like him against. I, I give him a good chance against anyone else. And if it is Rublev, who knows? You get a red line, Zhang, and, and see how far you can go. I don't mind Zhang Zhizhen as as a rollover candidate here. What about your boy Menchik? Jakub Menchik, plus 200. Uh, I assume we can get a little bit more actually out there. 
versus uh, David Fukina, who has shown some brilliance actually this year uh, at the United Cup, uh, but also um, has been in full Fukina. Uh, lost to straight sets to Borges at the AO. Uh, Struff loss was pretty bad last week in Rotterdam. I know you're high on on Menchik here. He could he could get a nice plus two hundred win and then take on, I mean, potentially take on Murray, which I know you'd be really hot on, uh, or Mueller. Would be hot on that as well. The young Czech here. Tough first rounder, obviously. I mean, the odds tell you that. You don't need me to tell you that. Uh, he had a decent week last week. Went to the semis in Manama, dominating. Not dominating, but. Beating Basilashvili, dominating Nurman Fatic, dominating Marco Trungaliti until that retirement. Then, yeah, he got his ass kicked by Mikhail Kukushkin. But I, 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 Mikhail Kukushkin, I call the right-handed equivalent to Adrian Manorino. Guys in their mid-30s, ultra-flat playing styles, keep that ball really low. They'll take it early sometimes. And it can be really tough when you're a kid who has not played a style like that because they just – people don't bring players up to play like that anymore. Because it limits where you succeed to to a small number of, of courts, at least. And, uh, you know, they, everyone wants to bring people up with better serves and baseline power. And just be good baseliners. And so that, that loss I can forgive. Because it's a tough style. Ball stays low to the ground. Makes it really awkward. He's, he's a fairly big kid, too. So, again, keeps that ball out of his strike range. So, if you're going to see someone use that match as a reason not to bet Menchik... Again, I would put that out of your mind because they probably don't understand matchup-based tennis, and that was just a terrible matchup for him. Other, other than that, he's been very good to start his year. Yeah, he's going to lose to very good players. Yes, he lost badly to Dom Kupfer. Pushed to her catch, right? Has has some decent wins along the way and and certainly is a candidate to push Davidov Trokina. Strong uh, serve forehand combo, decent returner. Backhand's not a total liability. So at 18 years old, you can see why he's almost in the top 100 already. Huge talent. Uh, well, certainly, I think this is a tougher matchup than the next round would be. Regardless of where the market ends up on this, I do think that it's tougher for him here than it would be against either Murray or Mueller. So I'm with you. I do think, look, Davidovich Joaquin is not going to keep the ball super low. Even if he did know about this weakness, I don't know if he has the tennis IQ to just slice a bunch and try and keep it low. I certainly don't even think he understands um, what will trouble Menchik, let alone try and execute a plan to take advantage of it, right? So that's also a plus here. Forget just the, the volatility of David Trokina's game. It's a lack of a tennis IQ or or kind of tactical approach that could hurt him here. Because if you're just going to stand and, and hit from the baseline with Menchik, you are not twice you are not twice as good as him as the market would suggest. You're going to have to come with something else, a different game plan. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself in a 50-50 battle, which you'll win sometimes, but you're the better player. You're more highly ranked. You're probably at this stage still more talented. You should not be finding yourself in a close battle. Um, and, you know, we we do know David Trokina tends to put himself in those situations. So, yeah, I don't mind mentioning here either, at least for two rounds. Uh, last guy I would mention is Alexi Poprin, who escaped today. And, you know, sometimes when these guys, they, they escape, they are shown the door immediately. However, uh, he's likely going to take on Talon Greekspor, although he might find himself uh, upended by Hugo Grenier. We're going to talk about that match, actually, because he had the, the long week travel spot. Also, just kind of been up and down. I mean, great week in Rotterdam, but not exactly been a banner 2024 for Talon Greekspor. Um, so... 
and in this part of the draw with with Popper, and there's a lot of guys who are just like servers. Bublik, Achanov for the, the top seeds here. That's what Popper's game is too. Like I could see him uh, hold his way uh, to a few more stops here. Um, all right, John. Well, let's pivot over to some match play talk. Menchik, you can get a minus one thirty to win a set versus Davidovich Fukina. He's plus two hundred as the dog. Fukina's minus two fifty. The total's at twenty two here. I- I'm inclined to play the over twenty two here. Uh, tick down. The market's telling you uh, you have to pay juice to for. Menchuk to win a set, but we're ticked down here to 22. I guess maybe they're thinking that both these guys could win in straight sets. I don't know. That seems odd to me that it wouldn't be a 22 and a half here. Anything for you in this matchup uh, in terms of a, a match play bet? Very cheap 22 as well. I mean, even money at Pinnacle or nearly minus 101. That you're right. I, I, I agree with you there. I know the courts are a tad slower, but neither of these guys is... Pre- One, David Fokina plays a bunch of three-setters, and that's not just a trend. It's also, it makes sense, right? We look at Alejandro David Fokina. We know his game is good enough to win a set 6-3-6 or 6-2. We know it's erratic enough to lose a set 6-3 or 6-2. And then oftentimes, that's exactly how his matches play it. So you have a good chance at going into 23 sets. You have decent servers here, Uh I, I'm with you. I think on the ATP tour on a hard court, it's not like Indian Wells slow. It's just medium-ish to medium slow, I would say. So it's not like your your conditions are bringing this down by a, a half game uh, or over a half game, really, because your price is so cheap. It's not a standard minus 110. I, I'm with you there. I don't know if I'm going to hit the over 22. I like mentioning. I kind of like mentioning. Bet365, best in market right now, for me anyway, at plus 200. The reason I like them when they're when they're best in market, if you have um, some accounts you can you can play or bet into there, is because when it comes to tour level matches, they will void all retirements that you bet on, and any retirement that happens after the first set from an opponent, you get bet credits. Now those are not the same as cash, and they're not worth as much as cash, but it's still a plus, uh, and you 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 basically run slight reward and no risk versus. You know some other books where it's your your high reward but also high risk uh, at like Pinnacle and Bet Online. But your plus two hundred uh, at Bet at Bet three six five is a, is a playable number for me. As I said, he's just not twice as good as, as the kid anymore at this point, especially with his volatility and especially with him handicapping himself sometimes on the court or hamstringing himself. So I, I don't mind Menchik money line. And I'm gonna take a bite on the over twenty two here. Let's keep it moving as we have a lot of. Uh matches to talk about not just here but the other two sites i mentioned i was on o'connell already now we have this is actually good to get into john alexander shevchenko is now an over two dollar favorite to richard gasquet who's plus 165 is a dog the spread is three total at 22 and a half here and we talked last time out about Shevchenko being a dog or pass guy. However, the elder statesman, the old Frenchie, has been pretty bad. <laughs> so I think Shevchenko, a deserved favorite here. Uh, does Gasquet have enough uh, in the tank here, if you will, uh, to make this a match uh, versus the young upstart? Yeah, he played a long week last week, right? 
Richard Gasquet. Yes. Those who don't follow the Challenger Tour may not know that he's coming off a long week. And we know that after the first, like even first sets this year, he has completely fallen off physically, let alone when he's coming off a five-match week where he played four four matches in the last four days of that event. Now, it ended on Saturday because the, the Middle East does this with a lot of their events. Um, I, I don't know what the reason is. It could be, I don't know. I'm not going to get into why. <laughs> but they, they ended on Saturday. Now, still, I don't know if two days off is enough for me to believe that a guy of, of Gasquet's, Gasquet's age and kind of declining um, stamina, if that's enough to fully get back to top form or top level, if we will. Uh, but I'm not I'm not so sure I'd like him anyway, right? We know the form has been great. We know he's coming off a long week. We know, the again, the offensive game, or the offensive side of his game has really declined. I hate laying games with Shevchenko because of how frustrating he can be like he frustrates himself trust me bro you you frustrate our, the people who bet on you more because we see the talent we see you just throwing it away sometimes but three games ah, that's so tempting that's so tempting against Gasquet who at this point is worse than Shevchenko is coming off a long week I almost feel like perhaps just another angle to go about it with I'm not saying do this instead of the minus three I'm saying potentially do it on top of the minus three is wait for a set if the first set is close seven five seven six to shevchenko i'd look for like a live second set under live uh minus four four and a half whatever just something that would play into the game script especially if that seven five or seven six takes uh 50 plus minutes i'd look for something that would play to the game script with a de decent price is always key as well but something that would play to a lopsided second set but I also like the Shevchenko minus three pre-match because if he steamrolls him in the first and you only take that angle, you're going to be really pissed off that you missed out. I agree. I mean, you have an opportunity here if you're Shevchenko to keep building on a great week. I mean, this is like, you know, I'm going to drive down Narrative Street here, but I mean, you're turning, you're turning your season around. Are you going to really revert back to some of your bad habits versus the guy you should push around? I, I would think not. Come on, Chevy. Let's get this done for us here. All right, John, this one I like quite a bit because Hugo Grenier has been absolutely in fuego in 2024. No one's really talking about it. He had a four-match dog streak at the Australian Open, just cashing. He took a set off FAA at minus 115 also there. He's qualified into this event once again. And Doha, now he takes off Greekspor off the long week. Greekspor also been uneven this year. But because Greekspor did pop, we're getting some pretty big numbers here. Greekspor is minus 350 on the money line. Grenier is plus 380. Spread is three and a half. You can get a four because it's uh, plus money for the three and a half. Total is at 22 here. What's the to win a set? Why, why, why is it not? Yeah, Grenier to win a set is minus 110. That's a definite play for me. Set one money line, a definite play for me. A plus 180. Greek Sport, obviously, better talent, but a, a lot to like here with the Frenchman. John, what do you think? Yeah, agreed to an extent. Uh, I'm just, I think there is a fairly large talent gap here, and that's what concerns me a little. 
But Grenier's serve is fine, and his solidity from the baseline is fine. And those are two things that should match up well with a Talon Greek Spore who isn't the most, let's say, talented returner on tour. I also think he can commit errors if you can stretch rallies out. So those are two things that Grenier can take advantage of. He's also got the form, as you mentioned. And the price does seem a little crazy. I mean, I'm not going to make the case he should be plus 150 and win 40% of the time. I'm not going to go that far. I just think that you're you're right. Anything in that, like, you're, you're telling me he he's well below 30%. I just don't know if I agree with that. I would have him closer to that, like, 30, 31, 32% mark. So just a tick above plus 200. And we're seeing a plus 274 out there. I mean, that's a few percentage points off for me. So I do think there's enough to play Grenier. Obviously, if you if you want to take it a little more cautiously, do it. I think the one thing I told myself last year is don't understake on underdogs. And I haven't this year. I've gone for, you know, plus 200s, a unit and a half when it calls for it. This does not. This is not one of those spots. Don't get me wrong. And it is my best start to a year ever. I think that was something I identified as a leak, uh, understaking on dogs. And, and this year I've cleaned it up. This could be a full, this is probably close to a full unit play. I wouldn't blame you if you did get a little more cautious in this spot, though. Other spots, no, don't be cautious. Exploit the edge you have with the stake it, it calls for. But in this spot, I, I don't mind kind of bringing it down to a, a, a half unit or three quarters of a unit. Yeah, plus 210 first set money line is a, a auto play for me uh, for a half unit. And uh, yeah, I'm also on the to win a set uh, at minus 110. Uh, as well i mean that's just I, I this is one I, I one of those matches i feel like because the money line is a little bit carried away we're getting some nice value on these these other markets uh to take advantage of because i i certainly think grenier can make this uh competitive especially out of the gate having played two matches here already john are you fading andy murray who was at pick versus Alexander Mueller, a guy who I'm trying to change my priors on. I, I'm thinking he's better uh, than he used to be. So I need to update my priors on him. I'm learning. I'm growing. Uh, the total is at 22 and a half here. Are you fading old man Murray? Probably not on the money line. This does feel like a match that fits the like an over kind of descriptor i suppose murray loves his long matches and obviously you want someone who can kind of go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him to deliver those long matches Mueller doesn't have a whole lot to his game his first serve has has improved a little a bit in the last two years but doesn't have a ton of baseline pop at the same time he's just so like solid and so consistent from the baseline and murray has very little to offer to on slow courts these days uh when it comes to baseline power so yeah these there should be a ton of long rallies here this screams of your seven five six four uh if it's in straight I, i'm not saying that's the scoreline that happens most in my no i'm just saying this set feels like or this match feels like if it were to be that particular score it would still take two hours and 20 minutes to to play out you know what i mean i still think this has a good shot of going over the 22 and a half it has a very good chance of going three sets here and actually i would probably i probably prefer the two dollar 28 plus 130 over two and a half sets because neither of these guys does have the best um or the the most powerful game you are on semi you know somewhat medium-ish slow courts and you're getting two guys who do 
have good hand-eye when it comes to return and, and starting points uh, on the return of serve. So if you're going to go over 22 and a half, I do think it's it's highly likely you need a third set. And I think it's actually decently likely you get a third set. I think there's enough value there. And it's a better or smarter way to attack the over than through the games where you're, you're paying, you know, 20, 30, 35 cents uh, on the dollar to get down to um, the over 22 and a half, which like I said, I do believe, sure, there's a chance you get a, you know, a couple seven, five sets. I still think it's far likely if this goes over and it goes to three. These guys played a three-set match here last year with Mueller winning the first set 6-4 before not winning. Well, he only won three games the rest of the way. He lost 6-1-6-2. Murray picked up. But uh, Mueller off a a strong qualifying campaign. I mean, the Lucas Klein win in straight sets, I think, is pretty impressive, to be honest. Um, And uh, Richard, who's a high-end challenger hard quarter, Six one six two. I mean, Mueller's putting in some work on hard court, man. Um, I, again, I'm, I need to update my priors on this guy. Coming multi-surface player. Um, I like that look with the over two and a half at plus one thirty, John. All right, anything for you in any of these other matches, John? Um, are we talking including the second rounders? Yeah, any any match, you, you, okay. I feel like we need to keep it moving. So any remaining plays? Yeah, it could be Kotov. I mean, he's just so solid and well-rounded. And yes, he's got a, a better serve than people think. And he can dictate on the forehand. And he's just so solid from the baseline. I, I do think he's a legitimate ATP tour pl- level player, especially at a 250 event like this. And Umber in medium to medium slow conditions, like the slower they get, the little a, a bit more vulnerable he becomes because that that flat hitting low net clearance game. You stretch the rallies against him, which Kotov can do his backhand should hold up against that forehand. If he can stretch like the longer you can stretch the rallies, which slow courts help with the more vulnerable Umber becomes with a kind of lower margin for error game plan. We're, we're over $3 and 70 cents. That's too much. Like we've gone way too far here. Um, where did this open with Kotov? It opened at $3 82. So it has been bet down. It got bet down to, Let's say plus 280 down to plus 250. It's now back to plus 270, so a little bit of pushback. I do think if you um, – the market's going to – this is where it's getting uh, molded or shaped. It's only been open for about an hour, this this match. So keep in mind that by the time you hear this, if it's still in that range, you may not have that long to go get the number. Uh, but if it's still in that plus 270 range, I would absolutely hit that, yeah. That's the only one I have for uh, for the rest of um, Doha, though. Might want to do a John Reed special with the dog over combo. And this one as well. Back it up. Umber could find his form late. Uh, but certainly with windy conditions, uh, that could hamper the Frenchman's game a bit. All right, John, let's keep it moving to the golden swing, which refuses to end. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Uh, ATP Rio de Janeiro, uh, the Rio Open held since 2014. Last year, Cam Nori beat a hobbled Carlitos Alcaraz to take the title. Uh, Alcaraz battled the third set with uh, some sort of leg injury. Uh, in 2022, Alcaraz beat Diego Schwartzman 6-4-6-2. That was the start of his ascension, in my mind. Uh, Green won in 2020. Laszlo Gere in 2019. Schwartzman and Dami Team before that. Uh, certainly some bigger names. 
or more name brands uh, on the clay C winning this thing over time compared to the last few events where you had uh, two qualifiers play just two weeks ago in the final. Uh, and of course, John, I don't know if you know this, but Rio cannot be held without thunderstorms predicted the entire week. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are once again. Uh, and also prepared for the deluge of tweets complaining about this tournament <laughs> and it's and all, said ring. It's always better to do. It's always better to tie up way too much of their bankroll than ask, when is it going to start? Hurry up. Why is this happening? Did you plan for the rain? Yeah, they planned for it. And they're outdoors, dumbass. They can uh, plan for it and still do nothing, you idiot. Like, oh, it's always degenerate betters in the comment sections. Never actual tennis fans. It's people who put like, they have 500 bucks in their account. They put 200 on one tennis match. It gets pushed back a day or two. And they're like just fiending for that money back. Heads up. You're probably going to lose your bet anyway because you're an idiot. So like, who cares? But anyway, continue. <laughs> hey, you're 100% right. <laughs> I, I, see, I see no lies. No lies detected, <laughs> as a good say. Uh, uh, all right, John. Well, let's talk uh, some money line uh, rollovers here. I went first last time out. Do you have a guy you're you're eyeing here uh, in this Rio draw? Well, you read my mind earlier when you said we're probably going to talk about this player when we got to Rio. Here we are. Um, I liked him in the first round. Uh, I was impressed by his qualifying campaign. I think he's starting to run into form. And he's an all-quarter uh, that has the rally tolerance to deal with his first-round opponent. While he And he is over plus 300. The name? No, it is not Quarantine Moutet. It is Cajalte Moutet. Uh, yes, that was a reference to his ATP player profile where he trolls. He says his name is Moutet, man. By je, je suis sûr que c'est Moutet, okay? That is me saying I'm sure of it. But anyway, if you go to France, I, I can't, if something, maybe it is. Who knows? Maybe his family's weird. Anyway, I'm calling him Moutet because I just can't look at an M-O-U-T-E-T -E and call him Moutet. And uh, he's a rollover candidate for me. I kind of like I like the fact that he's gonna match he's gonna match up decently against Bias. Bias has struggled with good rally tolerance, like solid baseliners the last couple of weeks. And he's still been overvalued against that category or archetype of player. Who got him a couple weeks ago? Dardari. And then last week, uh, we I, I think I faded him last week, and I can't remember with who, but it was, again, a spot where I thought this is a little much for a guy who, yes, he likes to dictate, but no, he doesn't have. It was Coria. Yeah, the world's and greatest was, player. Yeah, plus 200, you know, for, for the greatest clay quarter to ever play. Move over, Rafa. Um, so it, it just feels to me like Baez is overvalued in these spots. Does he have a, an aggressive forehand? Yes. Do I like the heaviness of, of the shot on clay? Of course I do. And these are weaker fields. Like everything should line up well here for him, but he's coming up in these individual matchups that he, he's, like I said, more aggressive. He's got good way to shot, but he can't hit through Coria. He doesn't have that natural raw power, right? He can't hit through Mute most of the time. So I, I kind of like Corrente. Like he, he did pretty well in qualifying as well. And that's something we needed to see from him. Um, I don't know if the back or how the backhand's feeling, where it's at, but I know that he did look a lot better in qualifying than we've seen in quite some time. This is still a guy in his when he's at his best and when he's not hurt. This is a guy who is very much in that Baez mold, right? Solid from the baseline, 
Lots, I think he has more variety than probably Baez does, but in that ranking range especially, he's a guy who fits into that ATP number 35 to ATP number 50 or 60 range. And he's starting to look a bit healthier. I just don't think you can have this as a as lot as it is in the market. So I think there's some value to be had. And then, of course, the second-round match. Vavrika could be tough, as could last week's champion, Facudo uh, Diaz-Acosta. But Vavrenka, can he be worn down by Mute, potentially? And, you know, Faku, is he coming off a really long week? Yes. And I, I just think that, that that's, a, a, again, a vulnerable potential second-round opponent to an upset. And I think we can see Mute into the quarterfinals before he gets absolutely thrashed by Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, speaking of Diaz Acosta, I want to give a big uh, shout-out and thank you to the public for pushing him out to plus 200. I was pretty comfortable passing on that final against Jari. Uh, but blowing it up all the way to plus 200, I'm like, this is like a bit too much. So I went a full unit. I, I channeled my, or I listened to my podcast co-host, John Reed, echoing in my ear, don't be afraid to lose bets. I went a full unit, got a nice plus 200 win. So thank you to John. Thank you to the public for overreacting to that Alcaraz win. Well, sorry. Appreciate what a, that. What a a weekend for Nico Jari. I'm out at sushi on Friday night, found a, a great new all you can eat place uh, near my house. Went out at dinner. was going to come back and watch the Delray beach stuff after, which I did. And uh, I'm following the Jari versus Echeverry scoreline. Cause I've got a decent chunk of cash on a under on an underdog bet there for uh, Nico. He's down a set and br- uh, a break or he's, he goes down a set as I'm walking in and sit down and, I looked down, he's down one love, and it's a, a break of serve at Jerry to start the second. I go, you know what? I, and I hear Dave echoing at this point. Trap life. It's a, it's, it's a, if it's a trap, it's probably, you know, it's going it, to, the guy who seems like he's overvalued is going to hit, right? Sure enough, Miguel struggles with Echeverry, then beats Alcaraz the next day, and then loses to Facundo Diaz Acosta. I love this sport, and it's that kind of crazy unpredictability. Not even week to week or tournament to tournament or surface to surface. I mean day to day that provides us with the, the ability to just really pick off some poor pricing. Um, I, I, it's wild to me. I think that weekend on the same surface at the same tournament sums up uh, <laughs> how frustrating or crazy this sport can be sometimes because, you know, struggling with Echeverry, beating Alcaraz, strugg- or struggling and losing to Diaz Acosta is a wild uh, kind of three match thing like sample to look at. It was great. And uh, I actually have Mutet here for two stops. I wrote that myself without talking about this pre pre uh, or, or without talking about this ahead of this. So I'm in agreement, although Mutet is a full clown. So know what you're signing up for. Um, yeah. But, but you know what? Full clown at plus three twenty. That's the perfect time to back a full cloud. You expect to lose that bet. You don't go into a plus 320 saying, I really think I'm going to win this bet. Or, I, 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 you know, I'm going to or, or expecting to win it. If you do, you're going to be in for some big disappointment more often than not, right? So th- this is the perfect time to back the clouds. If there is ever such a time. Well, speaking of clowns, mm. well, certainly, uh, I don't know. I guess that Christian Green isn't a, a clown. He's certainly um, uh, handsome. So I don't know if he's a full clown. <laughs> oh, he's a full clown. No, no, no. You you were right the first time. <laughs> um, but 
uh well and it is the year of the himbo i don't know if you've seen the oscar talk so green could could be could be the himbo here but i i mean he's a, a dog is, uh, go ahead whoa what's a himbo i don't even know what that means <laughs> a handsome bimbo like a male like a male bimbo oh my god dude i'm i'm a 65 year old in a 32 year old's body i listen to country music drink beer I'm like, I miss all these trends. I'm not on TikTok or Instagram or Snapchat. Like, I'm an old man. <laughs> well, with the rise of uh, the, the Ken role and the guy wow. from Saltburn, I saw an article over the weekend about the Hembos. Anyway, <laughs> Green is a good-looking guy. I'm comfortable in my own sexuality to say that. And he is a dog. Uh, to Roberto Carbeas Bena at plus 105. Now, Green looked pretty good before he literally just, I mean, he got overheated. He almost collapsed on the court uh, two weeks ago. Uh, he's back again. So it wasn't necessarily injury that knocked him out against Zapata Morales. Uh, it was just uh, um, the conditions um, literally almost passing out. Uh, so I'm not concerned about injury and he was cooking man up six, one, four, two before his body failed him. And now RCB, I mean, we've talked a couple podcasts ago about him, you know, in a vacuum, having a pretty good last 52, but he hasn't looked that great in this swing, a, a swing where he should be playing up. He hasn't made uh, any deep runs. Uh, we're not talking about him, uh, beating, Jari, are we? No. So I, I like Green as the a more attacking, better uh, equipped weapons player in this matchup. And then, man, he's going to be a huge dog against Feast in the next round. So I, I'll take him there too. Uh, Feast, you know, I think could trend up, could be a pick to to come out of this bottom part of the draw, but it might be overvalued uh, in the next round uh, versus either guy. Versus RCB or Green. Uh, that said, I have seen on social media uh, feasts like, "What's that big monument in, in Rio?" He's like mimicking it. The the, G, <laughs> the big Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah. Culture, yeah. So, uh, cut to Sunday when they're they're using that on their socials as he takes this thing down. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so but uh, I think Green could be a look in this one. And then also, we haven't seen much from Daniel Galan, which, you know, he's not the best player in the world, probably rightfully slow. However, I mean, is a slight dog here to Lyovich, who maybe played a little bit over his skis last week? I kind of like backing him against Lyo. And then next round, probably even money against Zapata, a dog to Jera. Jera, I mean, Jera could wax him. Has that ability, but uh, what what have we seen from Jera so far this swing? I don't know. Just we haven't seen the main character moment from some of these guys who typically shine during this part of the calendar. I've said a lot. You can react now, John. I'm not going to react until we get to the individual match stuff because one of the guys you mentioned, whether as a rollover, or as someone in the description of your rollover you went into. What have said players are going to be opposing? And I won't say which now. Um, look, I'm not with you on Galan because 
frankly betting, you know, fuck betting Daniel Galan in any capacity. And that's that's pretty much my reaction to that one. Uh, and with, what was your other one, Gary? I'm with you on Gareen, and the one thing I wanted to talk about here, he's plus 122 at Pinnacle. And I'm like, okay, give me a plus 115 at Bookmaker, and I'll do the rare thing where I don't take the best price in market. Because if you're going to collapse on court against Apata Midayes, Carbayer's buying can make you run as much, if not more. So get, I'll, I'll take seven cents off to get that kind of push insurance, right? It's like plus 104 to bet 365, it's even money. So now it's at the point where I'm like, oh, God, let's just pray this doesn't happen again because I'm not giving up 18 cents on the dollar. Um, to buy push insurance, not a freaking chance, right? Uh, so I'm with you on Gareen, by the way, on that on that front. I do think he's he's a he's a chance to go through. Um, so I'll, at least for the first round, I'll be I'll be with you on that one. All right, well, let's pivot over to the match play. Is there any match you're eyeing up uh, that you're wanting to talk about here? Yes, lots. Uh, we mentioned Mute, so we'll leave it at that because we are running up against time here, and um, we gave the handicap there. We mentioned Garin, same thing. How about Yana Kampfman against Nico Jara? Coming off a long week, big Chilean. I don't know, you know, if he's the most, if he's a physical specimen to to be able to back that up. Uh, Yannick hits a, a a heavy ball, has a big serve. He's up to plus one sixty four. I know he hasn't been great this year. But he's on clay. He's got a heavy. He's got a heavy kind of second serve that isn't as attackable. Big first, playing a guy off a long week. I like his ability to go toe to toe from the baseline with uh, with Nico here. I'll take this on the underdog. There, I'll probably write this one out for betting expert if I'm being totally honest with you, um, as well. And Federico Coria, of all the matches where go. he's played better players, dude. Of all these matches where he's played better players and just embarrassed them, now he plays a guy who hasn't proven as much as he does and plays the same kind of pusher style with a bit of a heavy forehand. And now of now he's the dog? Seriously? Now you, you make him a dog to Mariano Navone? Come on, man. Like, I hate betting on Federico Coria because I'm basically always cheering to lose money because I never cheer for him because I... No, I can't bring myself to do it. But I did when it was against Baez. And I'll do it again here. You cannot make Federico Coria an underdog to Mariano Navone. I'm not saying he wins this guaranteed hammer, 100-unit, whole bankroll lock. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this number is wrong. Navone could win this match 6-3, 6-4. And I will come back to you and I'll say, yes, that number was still fucking wrong. So you're saying... A guy who's never won on the ATP Tour main level uh, should not be favored against Coria, the greatest clay player of all time, <laughs> as of last week, even though he did win. <laughs> oh, it, it like again, it's one of those things where if there was matchup discrepancy, if he had a huge edge on the backhand wing, or if he had a heavy lefty forehand that could force Coria into just pushing balls back into the service box, or if there was something here. I could, I would move my numbers, and I would then understand it a bit more. I don't, I still don't know if I make him a favorite against Korea, just because I get, like you said, the 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 pedigree difference here between what these two have done in, in, as players in their careers and the form itself. I don't know if I could go as far as to make Navone a favorite, but I, I this is wrong man favorite. I, I just can't get around it unless Korea hurt himself in his loss, which I don't believe he did against Diaz Acosta. Maybe a fatigue angle, but even if you're saying there's a fatigue angle. It's enough to make Coria like the underdog. I can't get there. 
I, I can't it no matter how I wrap my head around it, I can't get there unless there's an injury concern. Trap City. I'm going to Vony. <laughs> that I guess it's the only way you can. That's the only way you can get down on Navoni is just like ex- have a trap or injury issue. I, that's the only way I can see it. I mean, I still don't, I still wouldn't bet at Navoni. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I, I'll be all over Corey. I'll probably write that one up too. You know what? I probably have my two write ups for, for betting expert tomorrow in Rio. All right. I, I mean, this is a horrible draw for Tiago Montero and his home country, man. Like, what? He's got to play Alcaraz round one. I, I, they should have redrawn it, man. So unfair. Like, this is like his chance to, like, shine for his home crowd. He's out in the first round. I, like, want to play the first round uh, money line, or the first set money line at plus 425. Because I do think, similar to Vavasori, we could get a bunch of holds. Uh, but I don't know, man. Off of that loss to Jari, I assume Alcaraz rights the ship a little bit here. Uh, bummer, man. Anything else for you before we move to Cabos? Yeah, Joao Fonseca. I honestly, the way this kid is hyped, and there's a reason he's hyped, make no mistake. I thought it would be like, okay, he'll be you know, a plus 180 and I won't be able to play him. No. He, look, Phils has been good this year. Phils is also very hyped up. Perhaps why we're seeing a plus 300 on the kid. But Phils, like, I, I haven't been all that convinced. His match against Rublev, great. The second set looked pretty off of it in the first and third. Did not look good in Auckland for my for my taste, okay? He beat the crap out of Nuno Borges. But the win against Gasquet was pedestrian. The win against Altmaier was... I mean, it was an ultra-tight first set that I thought Altmaier could... You could have made the case he was the better player on a court that should have favored Fields a lot more than it did. Then he retired one game into the second. Fields got battered by Tabilo. He looked terrible against Greekspor from a setup. Like, he lost a set to Yuri Vesley, who, until he faded physically, because that's what Yuri Vesley does in heat, uh, he was toe-to-toe with Vesley, and then he lost to Lajevic in, in incredibly unimpressive and unconvincing fashion last week before Lajevic himself got his ass kicked. So I don't know why the market is loving feels to this extent. I get it. He's the favorite. He's the better young player. He's got an aggressive game. Last year proved he can do it across all courts. Sure. But Fonseca's got an aggressive game, a huge forehand. He's If you want to talk about home court advantage i don't do it with you know 27 year old guys ranked 80th in the world like it just doesn't to me i don't know how much it can but with young players or with overly emotional players i really do think this is this could be something to really push um and make them a bit more competitive and so this one part where i will move my numbers a bit i'll never move it four or five points because that's just too large of an assumption to make but you can you can push a percentage point here or there uh with the right players and i think this is one of those spots he has the game to stick with feels already. Like there's a reason he's the best junior in the world. There's a reason he's hyped out of his mind. There's a reason why we've seen markets, even on hard courts at a challenger a couple of weeks ago, bet him from plus plus one thirty down to like minus two fifty by match time. Plus 300 is, is a lot of disrespect for a very talented young gun. Now he could lose this two and two. And I say that because he also has the penchant to hit 50 on four stairs in a match. He does not really have a second gear. And when his forehand is off, it is way off. And that's part of being, what, six, 17 years old or 16 or 18. You know what I mean? It's part of being a kid and developing is, is finding 
ways to reduce those unforced errors and hit with both pace and consistency at a more sustainable rate. So yeah, he could lose badly. But like we talked about with Mute, if you're going to play a guy where you know you could get your ass kicked, do it on a plus 320 where you have a lot of room um, built into your low break-even percentage to kind of get away with that. I love it. Uh, all right, John, let's round to the finish with uh, Los Cabos. We're going to Mexico. We are going to Mexico. And we're going to be there for this week and Acapulco next week. Uh, Los Cabos lands on this part of the calendar from late July. Uh, this outdoor hardcore 250 event has been around since 2016. Stefano Sitsipas is the reigning champ. He beat in form Alex Dimonor last year, a, a solid win uh, for Sitsipas, maybe one of his uh, precious few uh, <laughs> recently. Daniil Medvedev won in 2022. He beat 2021 champ Cam Nori in the final there. Nori beat Brandon Nakashima in 2021, back when Nakashima played tour events, main tour events. Uh, other recent champs include Diego Schwartzman, Fabio Fonini, Sam Query before he became a full-time pickleballer. Uh, these are mud-slow, medium conditions here, John. Uh, breaks are going to become heavy and often. Every service game will be an adventure. So if you're unprepared for that, prepare yourself because it is going to be sweaty out there for better. Sweaty out for players. It's going to be in the low 80s uh, this week, but humidity will be down as it's February and not late July like usual. Uh, normally, it's the conditions are really grueling, um, but um, they'll still be grueling because uh, it is really hot there. Um, just won't have to deal with as much humidity uh, as usual. Uh, what do you think about Los Cabos? I like this event, and this is probably the best draw that it's had in its history. And I, I think you feel the same. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned I mentioned that earlier. I, I'm not going to go through the top four seeds every year and debate and make a declarative statement or whatever. I'm going to say that this. I think these are probably as as good as as a four seeds as a 250 could expect. Um, and it's smart to move it here. I was planning on going this year and then they moved it up five months and that kind of threw off all my plans <laughs> in terms of preparing to travel. Cause I'm going to England next month and France in May, late May or when the French open's happening, I'll be in Paris. So it's like, okay, doing February, May at, or February, March, May is, is, is a bit like if it was July, it would be spread out another two months after uh, this one. So anyway, point is I will go next year though. If you can get this field and you're going to, I hate the heat, hate it. So like Cabo in July was always going to be tough on me. Now it's like, okay, you move it to February. Maybe we meet up there for an MP nine, uh, kind of in-person reunion next season. If it's going to be this field and it's going to be, um, in February, that I I'm probably going to go in 2025. Uh, look, this makes sense because look at the, the guys you can get. These guys are all going to go to Acapulco next week. You can get this better field now when you're right beside the Acapulco week on your calendar and it's a 500. Uh, you're going to get some pretty decent talent. And and no one's going to hate travel here because you're going to go Cabo, Acapulco, Indian Wells, right? You're going to get to keep yourself in that central and uh, what do you guys, Pacific, I was going to say Western, it's Pacific time zone, uh, whatever time zone, out west, re irrelevant time zone is what I should say. But I I'm pretty excited. I think it's a good, a good field. And since I'm covering it this week, put it this way. I'm a lot happier to stay up late at night to cover this event than I was with last year's field. You can believe that. Uh, Alexander Zverev is a top seed. Sitsipas is back as the two seed. 
Demonor is back as a three seed and Casper Rude, the four seed. Uh, Rude in Acapulco last year was shown the door uh, by Terrell Daniel early. Uh, so certainly uh, Rude is a, a guy to not just assume is going to uh, come out uh, and dominate, even though these are conditions that should suit his game more than other uh, hard courts. So, yeah, I think, I mean, we can transition to the money line rollovers here. I wrote tough. The top seeds are so much better than the rest of the draw. <laughs> so I, I don't yeah. really have anyone I'm too hot on. Um, although this is the type of event where upsets um, should happen. So, but it is just tough for me to see who's going to beat these, beat these guys. I'll go Mimir Kichmanovic. I'll flip it around and go with a favorite. Yes, he'll be a favorite in both of his matches. I think he gets two favorite wins that will end up because the way he's priced against Rinky. I do think you're going to end up at over plus money. So I think it's a worthwhile rollover anyway. And because Steph hasn't played in a, in what, since Australia, I don't think. And because he hasn't played well in longer than that, like to his level. And Kachmanovic is playing some of the best tennis of his career. There might be a vulnerability there. Now, these conditions work perfectly for Steph, right? These are like slow, high bouncing conditions on a hard court where his serve can still be rewarded. He doesn't mind heat. He's probably one of the players that, that deals with it best or actually likes it, right? So I know the conditions are ideal, but I think you can get through two matches here with Kichmanovic on the money line. And if if the price is absurd for that third match, then yeah, play him in the quarters as well. The underdog, and if you want to go way off the wall, and this is going to sound crazy, and I know he'll lose two and two in the first round, but Ernesto Escobedo. Over $5, over plus 400 in the first round. And then it's either Schwartzman or Nava. He's a dog to both. And they're both beatable. They're both, you know, Nava's as erratic as Escobedo is, and Schwartzman can be hit through if Escobedo's going to play well. Yeah, I know it's nuts. I'm not going to be doing a full unit rollover here. It's probably a quarter unit, to, like, rollover. If you, get, if you somehow get Thompson, screw it. Let it ride uh, through the second round. It's only a quarter unit. If it gets through that, you've got yourself a nice tidy profit. So, uh, yeah, crazy as it sounds, Ernesto Escobedo probably showing some value for me as well for at least a match or two. I like your Kachmanovich look. He's been playing pretty well, actually, for him, at least improving. And uh, I, I would venture to say that slow, hard is his best surface. I, he's a clay fraud in my mind. People want to say it's clay. I don't think so. I know his only title is on clay, but that was off the restart in Kitzbühel. Uh, so kind of a, I don't know, a janky title in my mind. Uh, so definitely a good opportunity for him here this week with, you know, his biggest hurdle being Stefano Sitsipas, who is pretty beatable <laughs> right now. Casper Root also on his uh, part of the draw. And like I said, uh, you know, just because... These are conditions that should suit him. We've seen him stumble uh, in Mexico. So I like that look, John, a lot, actually. Um, all right, well, let's move to match play here because this is this, this first match I want to talk about kicking off tomorrow's play. Alexander Vukic is minus 500 versus Rodrigo Pacheco Mendez. They, they keep putting Pacheco Mendez into these events. Acapulco, Los Cabos. Los Cabos. He's... Uh, a Mexican junior that they, I assume, think has a chance to do something. Um, I feel like this is a really interesting match uh, because Vukic has zero form. 
And Mendez, I think, is improving a bit. So I think it's a good opportunity for both players. Like, this is a good spot for Vukic to completely wipe this kid mm-hmm. off the court. And mm-hmm. in in a, in a, in also, like, this is probably the most out-of-form player that Mendez has faced uh, coming into one of these events. Um, I lean Vukic uh, blasting this kid off the court, though. Oh, I thought you were going to say butt in there. Um, <laughs> no, I'm with, I'm on Rodrigo's side here. Nice Davis Cup when I think he, they went to Denmark. to. I'm not sure. Uh, but August Holmgren, if that's an indoor hard court, that's a good win. August Holmgren is someone I, I, I would advise people to watch, at least at the challenger level, and especially on quicker hard courts. Really like the, the kind of pop in his game. Look, Vukic, not only does he have no form, he has no game for slow hard courts. Not. You're right. He could wipe him off the court. If there's one thing Pacheco Mendez doesn't have, it's, it's the ability to, hit, to play offensive tennis, right? Kind of like a, a, a much better lefty Bruno Kuzuhara, essentially. But he's become a lot better than Bruno Kuzuhara has. And yeah, he really struggled last year in, in any kind of professional capacity, even at the challenger level. He pushed, at least for like six or seven games, pushed um, Jari in, in this event. It was after this that he started to look a little bit better. You know, third set tiebreak to to Elias Emer. He had a win against uh, Sun Fajing in Davis Cup. Won a ton of ITF matches on the trot with some okay low-end challenger, high-end ITF names beaten. I'm just, I have to fade Vukic in these conditions at such a high price. With a guy who does prefer slower conditions and with a kid who can extend rallies and wait out errors. And as you mentioned, it's more, it's just a much, it's just as much about Vukic having absolutely no form coming in. Uh, was there a withdrawal at some point here? Or seven matches. Like list- seven seven match loser streak. And he's won two matches, uh, I believe since July. It's not like he's, he's crushed underpowered players either. Lestien beat him in straights. Tara Daniel beat him in straights in more favorable conditions. Lestien, I mean, Delray's more favorable to Vukic. It's not favorable to Vukic, but it's more favorable to him than here, than in Cabo. I mean, the Thompson five-set loss is all you can hang on to as a Vukic person. That's it. Like, it's so bad. I'll I'll take a shot on Pacheco Mendes. Why not? Why not? Since August, my my fault. Two wins since August for Vukic. Yeah, I mean, it would be... I'll tell you the more fun bet is Pacheco Mendez <laughs> because oh, if you are yeah. I mean like if Mendez actually plays up you are going to be tilting your face off and if he if he stinks then you're like ah whatever yeah just don't tilt your face off to me because like this is the absolute pinnacle of spots where Vukic would just start spraying or, or netting forehands. Like you cannot, I'm sorry, you cannot tilt if he does, because it is an absolute obvious uh, outcome that, that could take place. Right. I, what does the market bet this down to? Where did it open? Plus 475. It's down to plus 370 at Pinnacle. That's annoying, but you just got a plus 400 at Unibet. Um, what is it? Bet online on these huge dogs often does have the best price. So that like, let's go check that out. Because I'd love to see Bet Online, yeah, plus three ninety three. So you're still again good old Bet Online, always reliable. 
to get those huge underdogs in at like 30, 20 to 30 cents better than Pinnacle. Had a, uh, a plus four or 350 on a woman in, in Puerto Vallarta today that won in three sets, Liv Hovda. Pinnacle was like plus 262. So, um, yeah. Shout out Bet Online, another good book to get. They don't have as much liquidity in their tennis markets, but if you're liking the big underdogs, they are they are a must uh, a must have out for those those kind of matches. All right, I, we're running out of time. I, I have to get going here. Um, I, I kind of want to play Tarot Dana versus Giron at plus yes. one fifty three. I mean, these are great conditions for Tarot Daniel. Uh, he had a, a, an excellent run in Acapulco last year. Giron, you know, he's playing well, playing great. I mean, these conditions are completely different than when he's just played the last two weeks. Travel spot, this is just a, a great spot to chase a dog here. I mean, Giron wins. Of course he will, because he's the greatest player of all time next to Coria now, but... <laughs> I think this is a good spot to uh, to chase a dog here. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll just disagree on the travel spot. I don't think Delray to, to Cabo is a travel spot, especially going east to west. Um, you, you don't feel jet lag nearly as much when you're going, you know, it's when you're losing hours overnight going east. That's tougher. I, I don't think this is a travel spot, especially since he lost, what, quarters or semis? And he's had he'll have a couple of days to get there. But I'm, I'm still with you on Daniel in slower conditions. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit a regression point with Giron. It's, it's more likely to come in slower conditions and quicker conditions. And he's got a a decent a medium slow quarter in Daniel who doesn't mind heat, uh, and who is a natural hard quarter himself. So yeah, I'll, I'll be with you, Ontario Daniel. Another one, if you like the the total, I would play the over two and a half sets at plus one fifty. Actually, I think that that's a pretty good look. This is very this could very easily go three sets, and it's not juiced down here. It's like the plus one thirty. Because it is tough to figure around these days. I'll tell you that. Uh, Kepfer was a wall here last time out. And he's taken on Nuno Borges. I had set one money line with Borges versus Taylor Fritz. Had set point. Couldn't take it. Wanted to throw my phone against the wall. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's like he, Kepfer also just had a random wall week in Dallas. I just, he's a short favorite here. I, I think he's the side to be on, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not touching that match with a 10-foot pole. No interest. Um, with All right, you've convinced me. I'm not playing that one either. <laughs> I do love Kachmanovich, though, on the minus games. You're getting plus money at minus three. To me, that's ridiculous. Look, I love, you know, we Ricky's probably one of our, like, McCoobler. We love our Aussies on this podcast. We yeah. love McCoobler. We love Rinky, but we know Rinky is just almost like in, at least in our minds and the way we watch him on court, he's kind of pigeonholed into being a, a quicker quarter, right? It's just, he doesn't have that finishing power on a medium, slow or slow, hard court. Kitchmanovich doesn't have an, a, a very erratic game. And yes, he's not great on clay or a clay fraud, but he came up through the juniors when he was the number one junior in the world. When he was a kid, he played on clay. He has no problem playing with rally tolerance on slower courts. He's got the more attacking game. He's in better form. And and he's got enough uh, kind of defensive and movement, defensive play and movement to to just not let Rinky get anything through on a slow court. I have this closer to four. I think this is almost a full game off. And, and like I said, I like minus three at even money to plus money. That's really bad pricing for me. So yeah, I'll be I'll be all over Kichmanovich. I mentioned Escobedo. 
and ask and you shall receive. You said, please make Kaboli an underdog against Nishioka in one of our chats. I completely agreed with that uh, kind of thought process. And lo and behold, he is an underdog. So I'll take Flavio Kaboli as well. I was surprised to see you say he'd be on Pullman's. I was on Kaboli last night, minus three. This is perfect for him. He's starting to learn hard courts a bit more. He's got the aggressive game for hard courts, but the timing is still off. The bounce can be off. He's a natural clay quarter with an aggressive and powerful game. What better place for him to kind of succeed in transitioning to hard courts than on a slow, high bouncing hard court? I think this is perfect. Yes. Can, can Yoshi kind of frustrate him into errors and frustrate him as a young guy? Of course he can, but I, he's not below 50% to win this match for me uh, in, in my numbers. So I'll go ahead and take Kaboli as well. I also suspect Diego Schwartzman wins his round one matchup versus Nava, but I'm, I'm, I actually, if this gets to like plus 120, I'm definitely going to play Schwartzman. Right now I'm, comfortable passing because Nava could actually get a ATP tour win. Um, but Nava man is beatable to say the least. Like he, he doesn't have uh, the greatest form coming in either. Nice qualifying campaign, but I mean, he was up two breaks forked both those out over to Mayo and set one yesterday. He's erratic. Schwartzman could make him play way too many balls uh, to draw out that erraticness. Anyway, all right. We've said it all on these three sites for now. Follow John at Jerry Tweets Tennis, at Tidbits Tennis. Follow us at MP9 Tennis. Do like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, see you in the courts.